Amen. Come on, give God some praise this morning. I don't know what you guys are going through, but worship is just as important as the Word of God this morning. And I have a great word from the Lord this morning. It's not going to be easy. If you're a first-time guest, welcome to our church. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, just 1 through 3. So that's Hebrews chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And I want you to pay attention to every word in this verse. It says, For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved, notice, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? I want you to notice verse 1. I want to focus on that today. For this reason, we must pay closer attention. Say that with me. We must pay closer attention so that we do not drift away from it. And I want to speak to you this morning on that very subject. How to stop your drifting. How to stop your drifting. As we continue part two of our series, Entangled, we're going to talk about the danger of the destructive distraction. The danger of the destructive distraction. And right now, if you're thinking about lunch or what you got to do today to get ready for that Super Bowl party or whatever you're, let me tell you right now, you are in the right place because you are so distracted. Let's pray. Father, bless this word in Jesus' name. Help us to learn it, to understand it. Use me, Father, as we talk about the entanglement of distraction. If we're caught up in things that has caused us to drift away, Lord, help us to get back to where we need to be. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. So as you sit down, you turn to your neighbor right now, help me preach and just say, hey, pay attention. Come on, pay attention. If you're, if you're texting, it better be notes you're taking. Amen. If you got to go to the bathroom, hold it in the name of Jesus. If you know, get your mind cleared because all of us right now, we're all distracted. How many would agree we live in a distracted world? We're just consumed by everything. We love to be busy. We're busy being busy because busy makes us feel important. You ever ask someone, how are you doing? They don't even say fine anymore. They say, oh, I'm just busy. I got things to do. I, how many of you think that people need you and you're distracted because your kids and your job and the bills and the activities and the hobbies and the relationships? It's so hard to focus nowadays and it's just as hard to focus I believe on the Lord. And as I was reading this one little scripture that warns the church of how not to drift away, I thought about how many of us might be in that place this morning where your mind is just wandering off things that maybe aren't even important. Or you find yourself so distracted that you're just so far from God. Maybe you say to yourself, well, I can't remember the last time I really sat down to pray or read the Bible. I can't really remember the pastor. 
the last time I sat down in church and the entire hour that we were there, I was just so into what the pastor was teaching. I was so into the worship. I can't really remember the last time I just spent time in the word of God because the minute I try, I get pulled away by everything else in my mind. I have so much to do, so many things I got to finish, so many things on my mind. And it's no wonder that today in our culture, anxiety is in an all-time high and worry and stress and it's only getting worse as we bring up the next generation they are the most distractive generation that's ever existed and that is the truth we are raising up the most distracted generation you ever try to take a tablet away from a child we're raising a distracted generation and it's headed not only towards the wrong path, but to destructive behavior, to destruction of families. Because we can't seem to prioritize in our lives what matters most. We're just so distracted. And as I started thinking about distraction this week, just this week, I read about a spider. How many of you love spiders? I know I don't. I started thinking about a particular spider. Because most spiders, what they do is they'll make this invisible-like massive web to entrap all its prey. Some spiders, they camouflage themselves to be hidden enough to get close and strike them with venom. But there is one particular spider, a female spider, had to be a female, that she's smart. Because this particular female spider is not like the other dumb male spiders because she barely has to do anything. In fact, this female spider traps, she's into moths. That's what she likes. She likes moths. And moths are so much stronger, so much bigger. I mean, it's, it's amazing how this little female spider entraps these massive moths. And this is how she does it. She's unique because it's known as Ebola spider. Not Ebola like the disease, Ebola spider. And she's unique because she doesn't have to spend all this time making an invisible massive web. She doesn't waste her time trying to hide and camouflage. She does this one simple thing. She makes what's known as a drop line, that one little web with a ball in the end. And if you know what a bola is, it's a rope with two weighted things on the end, and it's used to entangle animals. And this bola spider, she hangs this one little web with that little ball in the end. And that little ball, I don't know, they don't know how she did it, but that little ball has pheromones in it. And those pheromones are what attracts the moths. And there are hundreds of different species of moths. And the Ebola spider, she knows exactly what pheromone she needs to use to get to a particular moth that she wants. She knows what the moth wants. Therefore, she prepares it in a little trap. She hangs it. And when that dumb moth is flying around, they smell the pheromones. 
And all of a sudden get closer to it. She doesn't have to do anything at that point because that moth is distracted by it. And as that moth gets closer and closer to that little pheromone, the moth doesn't even know it's already too late. And that moth begins to just wrap itself up in that little line, that little web. And before you know it, this strong moth becomes so entangled, it gets weaker and weaker and even weaker. And as it begins to get wrapped up and entangled, all of a sudden it gets so much weaker and it gets so much weaker that it begins to suffocate. And this once strong, bigger moth finds itself so entangled it now dies and gets destroyed. And she wins. She wins. She does it slowly. She does it quietly. And before you know it, it's too late. That moth is entangled. When I saw that, I thought about how the devil works in our lives. The devil doesn't need to bring some huge, massive, web-like sin into your life to destroy you. The devil just needs, you know, like that spider, you have a little pheromone. The devil knows what you like. The devil knows what you're after. For some, it's power. For some, it's money. For some, it's pleasure and lust. The devil knows. He watches you. He knows your weakness. He knows where you can fail. And he doesn't have to do much. You see, all the spider did was distract. And as soon as that moth was distracted, that spider knew, I got him. It's just a matter of time they get wrapped up and entangled. It's just a matter of time that until they destroy themselves. It's just a matter of time to their mind. And I wonder if the devil looks at you right now and he is just waiting because he knows what you like. He knows your weakness. And he's just saying right now, it's just a matter of time until I got her. It's just a matter of time till I got him. Any moment now they're going to get so wrapped up, so busy, so entangled that before they even know it, it's too late. And so many people, I wonder today how many people the devil is just deceptive, deceiving, distracting people into what really matters most in life. He's trying to grab your attention away from what matters. He tries to grab your focus and your attention, distracting you away from the things of God. He doesn't want you serving God today. And he knows what he needs to put in your life to get you further away from serving God. He doesn't want you in church today, so he tries to pull you away from God. That little devilish spider woke up today and say, man, it's really wet out there. You should just stay home. You should just stay because the roads are dangerous. And you know, on Monday, it's going to rain just like today, and everyone's going to go to work. But on Sunday, if it rains, you got to stay home, the devil says. 
got to stay home. Because he tries to lure you. He wants to pull you away from prayer. He wants to pull you away from the word of God. He wants to pull you away and entangle you away from worship. He tries to get your attention. That's all the devil needs to do. He just needs to get you so distracted that your attention is on something else. He even does it in the church. You need to listen to this word. But your mind right now, all it takes is a millisecond and you go off and you wonder and wander and start thinking about other things. And your attention is on busy. I'm just busy. I got, I got things to do. I got people that depend on me. I'm just busy. How many of you know already what your entire month next month's going to look like? You've already marked it down. Busy. I got to work. I got to work. I got to keep working because, you know, I need money. I'm, I'm busy. I'm distracted. I need more money because I got to buy this. I got to pay that. I owe this. I got to pay this off. I got bills. I'm so busy. Your attention is on money. Your attention is on busy. Your attention is on work. Your attention is on pleasure. Your attention is on all the problems you have and all the schedule. And pastor, I got so much on my plate. My plate is full and I have things to do and I got people and I have kids and they need me right now. They need help with their homework. I got to take them to school. I got to walk the dog. I got to clean the house. I got to make dinner. My attention is on so much. Oh, the laundry. Every time I finish it, there's another load. And I'm just loaded with loads. And it's just loads of laundry. I have so much going on. And I have people. And the people and their problems fall on me, pastor. And I have all these distractions. And I know it, but I get so tired that I deserve some me time so I'm just gonna go off to my Netflix world and I'm just gonna binge and watch shows after shows for three hours on entertainment that doesn't matter because most of it is garbage but I got my hobbies my attention just goes away because I have so much, and you don't realize that the devil is behind distraction. Let me tell you something I never want you to forget. Of all the things I want you to learn in this message is this. Before the devil can destroy you, he has to distract you. We focus so much on the destruction of the devil, but how does the devil truly destroy someone? He distracts them. He begins to distract you to the point like, like that moth. You started off strong. You started off great. But all of a sudden, you get your attention on other things. You begin to entangle yourself and you get weaker with the Lord. And before you know it, you're not who you used to be in the Lord. You have lost your joy, your passion, your devotion for the things of God. And if that's you today, I ask you this one question. Where is your focus? So many people today that were once strong in the Lord are now entangled. Once passionate for His Word are distracted. 
There are marriages that were once strong like that moth that they get so entangled with problems and drama and sin and lust and other things that now that one strong marriage is destroyed. So many families that were once strong begin to just get destroyed. You see, this is all because we drift away. The Bible warns us about drifting away. And the way that someone drifts is because they get distracted. And I wonder how many families just drift apart. Husbands and wives, they say, Pastor, we, we've just drifted apart. And there's kids that are just drifting away from their parents and living their own world and don't want to be bothered. They're just drifting away. Maybe you find yourself drifting away from God, drifting away out of life, and you're just drifting. You see, God warns us not to drift. And so many people, they start off strong, but you see them now and they're just far away from God and they've drifted away. And I ask myself every time, how did the devil do it? What was it? And maybe if you find yourself far away from God and you drifted away, you ask yourself, how did I get so far? How did I get so far from this? And Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 tells us how. It says, for this reason, we must pay close attention to what we've heard so that we do not, what? Drift away. But notice the first phrase. For this reason, we must pay much closer, what? Attention. You want to know how people drift away? The same way the moth does. The moth is on the right course, flying the right path, and all of a sudden it gets a smell, a whiff of that pheromone, and it gets his attention diverts, and all of a sudden the moth begins to drift away as that spider just begins to entangle it. When you drift away, understand something. One, it happens to anyone. Any family can drift apart. Any married couple can drift away. Any Christian can drift away from God. Any church can drift away from each other. The biggest lie you can believe is that drifting away is impossible for you. It will never happen to me. It can happen. It happens to anyone. And it happens slowly. It happens gradually. No one wakes up and says, hey, hey honey, do you feel like drifting apart today? No one wakes up and says, you know what, I, I think I'll stop going to church. You know what, I think I'll put the Bible down for a few months. You know what, I think I'm not going to pray anymore. I don't think I'm going to serve anymore. No one says that. Families don't get together and say, hey guys, remember Tuesday, we're all drifting apart. How does it happen? It happens slowly. And it happens with distractions. 
It can happen to anyone. It can happen to any relationship. It can happen to any family, any marriage, any church. Drifting is not something that you can say to yourself right now. It will never happen to me. I've seen so many people, strong, strong families, strong marriages, strong people for the Lord, and they're nowhere to be found anymore. They've drifted apart. And I ask myself how, and it's always the same way. They were distracted. I remember as a kid, my family, we were always in the beach, always in the water, and we were so excited, me and my cousins and my brothers, we were so excited to be out in the water that my mom would always tell us one thing. Stay where I can see you and keep your eye on the umbrella. How many use the umbrella tactic in the beach? Remember that? If you're Cuban, you know the umbrella. They, they put it on the sand tell you stay in line and if you're drifting from the umbrella I will beat you so we were there and we would go out into the water and I got all excited and wouldn't you know for a moment where was I right in line right where I needed to be there was the umbrella and as long as I knew I was within the umbrella I was safe and I would stay alive because my mom won't kill me but all of a sudden, my, my, my attention wandered and we started wrestling with each other, throwing each other into the water, trying to just get the seaweed and shake it and get the crabs. You're, my, you're from Miami, you know about all of this, right? And we're all wrestling in the water and we're throwing the football around all distracted and all of a sudden when I look, and guess where I was? Far from the umbrella. I didn't feel it. I didn't sense it until it was too late and I was already far. And that's how I see so many people with God. How I see so many people in life, how I see so many couples and families, they, they start off right. They, they start off where they need to be. But their attention goes elsewhere. And it happens slowly. One excuse after the other. Busy. Got things to do. My attention goes on other things, so I, I begin to neglect where I need to be. You begin to neglect the things of God. You begin to tell yourself, oh, it's just one Sunday. One Sunday turns to two. Two turns to three months. Three months turns to six. Six months turns to, I don't go to church anymore. You begin to neglect your spouse. Your attention goes on other things. I got to do this, honey. We got to do that. And you don't spend time to each other anymore. Some of you don't even know it's Valentine's tomorrow. You haven't done anything about it. Why? Because you're so drifted. You don't care. And I know I put the guys out there. I'm sorry. But I wonder how many people started off in the right place and God says, stay in line. Stay right here. You'll be fine. You'll have joy. You'll have peace. I can bless you if you stay within the umbrella. But all of a sudden, our attention just goes on so many things and people and relationship and friends and busy and all of that that your attention begins to slowly grab you away. And when you notice that, you're thinking to yourself, 
what I did when I was a kid, I would ask myself, how did this happen? How did we get so far? How did we drift so far apart? And it's because I wasn't paying attention. And we get so entangled with life that we don't pay attention to what matters most. We don't pay attention to what's important. We don't pay attention to what's needed. And we begin to drift away from it and neglect it. And before you know it, you're far and it's destroying your life. Your attention is where it doesn't need to be and then where it should be, it's not. And all of a sudden, you notice, how did I get this far? And when I read the Bible... I see so many people who started off strong like that moth. I see so many people who were in the right place, right under the umbrella. They were there with God. God was blessing them. God was using them. God was favoring them. They have a life to be envied. God was just so powerful in their life. And you fast forward in the end of their story, and they're far from God. They've drifted away. They've hurt their families. They've destroyed the plans of God. They're not where they should be. They're not where they need to be they're suffering they're hurting they're destroyed and when I read the Bible and I see the lives of so many great men and women who have been destroyed they all have this in common they drifted away because they were distracted you think about people like Samson who represented to be spiritually strong Samson was strong because the Holy Spirit was with him He was so strong in the Lord that people noticed how different he was. It was evident that the power of God was in his life because he was so spiritually strong. Do you remember a time you were spiritually strong like that? Where you could feel the presence of God? Where you were so strong in the Lord, your faith was strong, your devotion was strong, and people knew and saw the difference in you, and the only equation was God. You were so close to the Lord. You were passionate about His Word. You were excited for church. You were excited for the Word of God, and learning the Word of God, and asking questions about the Word of God, because you wanted more. That was Samson. He was spiritually strong, and in the end of his life, He's in chains. His eyes have been gouged out. He's weak. And I think worst of all, the enemy was all there laughing at him. That spider was laughing at Samson. You think how? If you would ask Samson, how'd you get this far? How'd you get away from the umbrella? He would say, I was distracted by lust. She was hot. I thought I loved her. She said the right things to me. She knew my pheromone. She knew what I wanted. uh, You would ask Samson, yeah, how did you get this far? It it was just, it first started with texting. We, we We went out to lunch once. I started telling her my personal problems. We, we, we got closer. Pastor, she understood me. And you find yourself entangled in an affair. Because you're distracted. You think about Solomon. The wisest man that ever lived. Some of you think you're so smart you can never drift away. 
Solomon was the wisest person that ever existed. And he destroyed his life. But the Bible says he was so passionate for God. He was so passionate, he would get offerings and sacrifices and worship, and he literally saw the fire of God descending from heaven. He was so on fire for the Lord. You ask Samson today, how did it get this far? 1 Kings 1, 1 Kings 11 says this, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. He loved foreign women. Now I know you think that that's, Solomon had a problem with women because, oh, he obviously had a power, a, a, a thing with lust. Samson had over a thousand wives. Is one not enough? Be honest. Too much. No, huh? Is one enough? What's the answer? Yes. Don't tell me that Samson, I mean, that, that Solomon had a lust problem. He did not. Samson did. But see, Solomon, he was distracted by power. Because every time you married someone from a foreign country, you formed an alliance with them. So Samson was addicted to lust, but Solomon was addicted to power. He knew the more foreign women I marry, the more power I will have around the world. And he was so distracted by power, that he started entangling himself and noticed he loved foreign women along with the daughters of Pharaoh. It started with one daughter, Pharaoh's daughter. Then it went over to the Moabites, started getting entangled. Then he said, man, this Moabite is nice, but how are the Ammonites? Then he got entangled with the Ammonites. Then he said, man, these Ammonites are awesome. What about the Ammonites? He got entangled with the Ammonites. Then he got entangled with the Hittites. He started getting entangled with all these women. And notice from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the son of Israel, don't associate with them. Don't associate with them. Doesn't that sound innocent to associate a little bit with someone? But they were so ungodly. And I want to warn you, if you are associating yourself with people that aren't Christian, you're entangling yourself already. Because they'll begin to introduce their way of living, their ideas, their worldviews. And you think you're wise enough, like Solomon, to say, yeah, but maybe I will get them to the Lord, Pastor. Maybe I'll bring them to church. Where are they? Are they here? But oh, where, where are you? You're not here. Start entangling. Don't associate with them nor shall they associate with you. For they will, everyone say will. will. They will surely turn your hearts away from their, to their gods. God knew it. God said, Solomon, you're going to turn your hearts away. Solomon held fast to his love. And 700 wise princesses, I'm married to one princess, but 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. Solomon was old. Again, his wives turned his heart away after the other gods. Did you notice the Bible highlights that Solomon was old? 
Because it happened with time. Like the spider, it happens slowly. It doesn't happen right away. After years, Solomon looked back at his life and said, how did I get this far? You were distracted. Think about David. Samson was represented strength. Solomon represents wisdom. And David represents what it means to be spiritually strong with the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart, which that literally means his deepest desires was to do the will of God. He just wanted to live for God. And David was just on the rooftop one day. He wasn't supposed to be there, but there he was. And don't you know that when you're not where you stand, when you are in a place you're not supposed to be, how many believe that the wrong opportunities presents itself? You're not supposed to be there. But there he was. Innocent David looked down and saw Bathsheba bathing naked. Now, we don't know how, and I can't prove it, but I believe Bathsheba knew. Why would you have the windows open, girl? Why? That's why I tell the ladies here, you better cover up. Because men need help with this. But there she was. There he was. Distracted. His attention went from God to her. It didn't happen right away. He had to find out with his advisors. Now, and when you read it in the scripture, it sounds like it all happened in one day. But see, for a king to get his advisors to show up, sometimes it took a month. Sometimes longer. So could it be that David for weeks on end was thinking, how can I get her? I want her so bad. I know she's there. She's my neighbor. I won't, I won't get away with it. And all of a sudden, he was so distracted by her that he committed adultery and murder. He entangled himself. And these were men that were strong, wise, and spiritual. And so many people are entangled in sin and destroying their lives because of those three reasons. You think you're strong enough, it won't happen to you. You think you're wise enough to make your own decisions. But I've seen some of the smartest people make the dumbest decisions. You think you're too spiritual. Oh, I love God too much. I would never. The devil loves that type of talk. Because it gets your attention away enough where the devil can begin to entangle you. I love the nation of Israel. God delivered them from Egypt. God set them free from bondage. And we all know the story. They started worshiping a pagan idol. They made a, a golden calf. An idol was anything that takes away from the attention that God deserves. An idol is anything that takes away your devotion away from God and you put it on something else. And we all have these little calves in our lives. That's why the Bible called it a golden calf, not a golden cow, because calves are little and cute. And some of you have these little cute things, you think it's not a big deal. But how many of you know little cute things grow? Oh, it's a little, it's not that big of a deal. If it's an idol, it will lead you down the wrong path. 
What I find exciting and just amazing about this passage is that in Exodus chapter 12, verse 35, you ask yourself, where did they even get the gold to make this golden idol? And the Bible says, Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they have requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of what? Gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they left them have their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Did you know that the gold they used for the golden calf was actually a blessing from the Lord? Be careful. Because the blessings of God can actually turn into an idol and distract you away from Him. And I've seen too many times the Lord has blessed you with a relationship and the relationship becomes a little cow. Whatever Bobby needs, you're there for him. Oh, I'm there. I can't go to church today because we got to do that. We got... And you're just so distracted. Oh, I don't even pray anymore. I don't read the Bible anymore because I have too much to do with him. I got too much to do with her. And you're all caught up. And the Lord blessed you with a relationship that's become your God. The Lord has blessed you with a job that has become your God. The Lord has blessed you with a child that's become your God. Or maybe the Lord has blessed you with a house and now that house becomes your God and I got to work on it. I got to do everything for it. I got to clean. I got to repair. I got to do this. And I've seen too many of the blessings of God become an idol. That's how distractions work. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, pastor, everything you've talked about has been, you know, lust, has been idolatry, has been adultery, has been sin. And I don't think I'm involved in any of that, so I'm good. But here's the big lie that we believe, that distractions are only sin. But there's a lot of things out there that aren't sin, that are pulling you away from God, that are pulling you away from the umbrella where you need to be in your life, where you need to be in your family, where you need to be in your marriage and with your kids and with your church. There are so many things pulling you away from God that have nothing to do with immorality or sin. You think about Martha. In the New Testament, Jesus goes to her house. Can you imagine Jesus visiting your house? You say, oh man, I have a lot of stuff to hide, a lot of stuff to clean up, a lot of, you know, I get that. I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. But think about if Jesus said, I'm going to your house today. Jesus was known to just show up. He told Zacchaeus, hey, I'm going to your house. He's he's that guy that just invites himself. He shows up to Martha's house. Luke chapter 10, verse 39 through 42. Notice Martha. She had her sister called Mary who was sitting at the Lord's feet. You know, Mary, she was just there with Jesus enjoying a time of listening to Him and the Word. She was listening to His Word. But Martha was what? Distracted. But here's the thing. It's not that she was distracted. It's what she was distracted with we have to pay attention. Preparation. How many want this sermon to end? Because you've got a Super Bowl to get ready for. You have Martha syndrome. She came up to him and said, Lord, do you not even care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? And tell her to help me. 
The Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. Only one thing matters right now. And Mary has chosen the good part. That would not be taken away from her. Martha was distracted by cleaning. Did you hear that? It wasn't a, a golden calf. It wasn't a relationship. It wasn't sin. She was distracting herself with cleaning, cooking, dishes. One of the things I always tell Jericho is, hey, it could wait. Come sit with me. Dishes will be there tomorrow. It will be messy today. It will be messy tomorrow. Come on, just enjoy it. What if God is telling you right now, listen, you're distracted about a lot of things that at the moment are not the most important. You're distracted by so many things. I got, Jesus didn't say, hey, that doesn't matter. He said, only one thing is necessary right now. I wonder how many things you're in, are involved and you're entangled with that aren't necessary at the moment. But you make them necessary. And a lot of us have Martha syndrome. I gotta clean. I gotta cook. I gotta do dishes. I gotta take the kids to practice. I gotta come. They gotta come back home and I gotta help them with their homework. I got emails. I got things to do at work. I got phone calls to make. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I need people. I have birthdays. I have parties. I have this. I got that. I got this. I got that. And you're so caught up. Notice that you easily can get entangled with Martha syndrome. What is Martha syndrome? It's a bad attitude. Did you notice that Martha got a bad attitude with Jesus? She actually started resenting Jesus here because before Martha loved Jesus, at this point she was mad at him. Her relationship with Jesus was already being affected. That's how you know you have Martha syndrome. You have so much going around that your relationship with God is not the same. Did you notice that Martha was a bit controlling? Tell her to help me? How do you tell Jesus what to do? Who are you to tell Jesus what to do? But you, you see, Martha people, they get so controlling and demanding, it has to be this way, not this way. You know, as Martha ruined the, you know, she couldn't read the room and she just ruined the moment. Can you imagine at that point Jesus is sitting down, he's about to deliver the closing of the sermon, and Martha goes, Jesus, do you not even care? Look at everything I gotta do. She was controlling. She got pitiful. I'm all alone. No one helps me. Martha people are controlling, they're angry, angrier, don't have joy, they don't live for the moment, and they want to affect everyone else. And Mary people, they look and examine what's necessary at the moment. And when Mary saw that Jesus was there, she said, dishes can wait. But when Jesus left, she said, okay, dishes I got to do. See, you need to choose to be a Mary and not a Martha. We live in a Martha world, but we can still be Mary people. 
Choose what's necessary. And I love, to, I love this example because you wake up on a Sunday and what's necessary is church. Everything else can wait. And after church, you get right to it, but it can wait. What is necessary? What, are, what is necessary for my life right now? What is necessary for my child right now? What is necessary for my marriage? What is necessary for my relationship with God? Mary chose what was necessary at the moment. But see, when you're so distracted... Everything is necessary. And that's why you lose control. So many people are like Martha. Or even like Peter. He was walking on water with Jesus and all it took was his taking his eyes off Jesus. And he started drowning. Does it feel like you're drowning? I want to close and ask you this question. Does, does it feel like you're just drowning in distraction? The Bible says Peter began to sink. And I never understood this. Because I, when I see things sink, it's like instant. But the Bible says he, he began to slowly sink. Slowly drown. And maybe your eyes were on Jesus and you felt strong, you felt powerful and confident, but all it took was your eyes, your attention getting away. Martha's attention went away from Jesus. Peter's attention went away from Jesus. All the people that destroyed their lives in the Bible, their eyes went away from Jesus. I have never seen an individual whose attention was away from the Lord and say, wow, ever since my attention went away from God, my life has been great. It is the opposite. You see, the devil wants to entangle you with what's not necessary. The devil wants to entangle you with right now, this is what matters, but it doesn't. And I want to ask you this question if you find yourself entangled, maybe in sin, maybe like, like Samson, you're saying, Pastor, I was once strong, but my weaknesses have shown up. And right now, I'm, I'm entangled with sin. I'm entangled in the wrong relationship. I'm entangled with lust and pornography. I'm entangled with my flesh. Maybe you're like Solomon. You're saying, Pastor, I thought I was smarter than this, but I'm making the worst decisions. I'm just addicted to myself and my ignorance, my arrogance, my power. I'm all about me. I'm in the wrong places. I'm at the wrong, with the wrong people. I know I'm doing things I'm not supposed to be doing. I'm entangled. Or you're just like David and you're saying, Pastor, I used to be so spiritual for the Lord. I was just after God and I don't know who, where that person went anymore. I don't sit down to pray anymore. I don't sit down to read the Bible anymore. I don't sit down to worship. And Pastor, it's nothing against you, but even when I'm in church, I'm not listening to you. I'm texting. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm thinking about lunch, I'm thinking about dinner, all the things I got to do, all the preparations. Pastor, it's the preparations. And Jesus is right there saying, you're worried and you're distracted about so many things. You have forgotten the necessary. And sometimes you get up in the morning and what's necessary is for you to fall on your face before Jesus and worship, but all the distractions get you. 
Sometimes what's necessary is for you to be with your children and play with them and talk to them and teach them the word of God and see where they're at in their life. And that's the necessary, but you're so caught up in work. Sometimes what's necessary in your marriage is intimacy, spending time together, serving one another, and that's what's necessary. But the devil says, no, drift away. Go and do what you need to do, what's important to you, and you're ignoring the necessary. You find yourself drifting away. Entangled. And you find yourself now entangled with anxiety and worry and depression. You're entangled and you've lost your joy, your peace. You're entangled and you're saying to yourself, how did I get this far? As Peter began to sink, he said, Lord, save me. And immediately The Bible says the Lord grabbed him. What if the Lord right now is trying to get a grab on you? Because he sees you're drowning. He sees you're distracted. He sees that you're just falling down, falling apart, drifting away. But see, Peter, the Lord did not just grab him. Peter had to cry out to Jesus, save me. There has to be an acknowledgement of distraction to get back in the right place. When I fell away from the umbrella, I had to acknowledge I was far from where I needed to be. And I started pushing through the current and pushing through the current. And the more the current tried to pull me away, the more I had to fight because I knew if I don't get back to where I need to be, mama's gonna get me. And there was a fight in me to say, guys, we got to stop playing. We got to stop playing. Hey, bro, stop playing. Let's stop wrestling. Just throw the ball away. We got to get back. I wonder if that fight is in you to say, I need to get back to the right place. I need to get back right with God. Honey, we need to get right back where we belong. Kids, I'm sorry. I've drifted, but daddy's back. We need to get back to where we belong and remove the distraction. And you say, well, pastor, it's easier said than done. And I agree with you. I hate when people say, well, just focus. How do you do that? Remember, the word distraction has the word action in it. It's not a prayer. It's not a thought. You can tell yourself all you want, okay, that's it, I'm serious now, I'm getting up at 5 a.m., God, I'm going to pray now, I'm going to read what, that's going to last two days. That's it, I'm going to, we're going to have a family night once a week, that's it, I'm doing it, that'll last what? That one night? No, that's it, honey, that's it, once a week, we're going to sit outside in the porch and just talk, we're going to shut off our phones, that's it until you're right back at it. Getting away from distractions take action. It takes action. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 tells us how to do it. If you find yourself entangled. And here's what's interesting about Hebrew. Remember the writer of Hebrews, 
in chapter 2 was talking about drifting away and how you have to pay attention. And now the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 tells us this. Therefore, well, that's not it. It's Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 2. Yeah, let's read this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily what? Entangles. And let me break this verse down. God says, throw off what hinders and throw off the sin that entangles. It's important you learn this because God separates the two because what sometimes hinders you is not always sin. So God says you need to see if it's hindering you and that word hindu just simply means anything that slows down or makes progress difficult. So God says whatever is hindering you from where you need to be and whatever sin is so easily entangling you right now, throw it out. And let us run this race with perseverance that has been marked for us. See, God refers to this life as a race. And he uses this because in, the, those, in that Roman time, the biggest form of entertainment was racing. It was the Super Bowl of that time. And the Roman government would get prisoners to race each other. And they would say, whoever wins this race will be set free. But if you don't win this race, you will die. There was no second place, no third, no partition patient ribbon it was win or die you imagine you're in chains you've been locked up you're in prison they take you outside you're surrounded by a stadium of thousands of people that are watching to wait they're waiting for you to die and you're there and you're saying okay this is it I could be set free I could I could do this and what every prisoner would do when they took the chains off, getting ready to, to race, they would literally strip off their clothes and they would be completely naked. Because they knew that maybe I can get entangled with my clothes or tripped up on my sandals. So what I'm going to do, I don't care who's watching, I don't care what they think, I'm going to strip naked because I'm winning this race and nothing's going to hinder me, nothing's going to entangle me. And they would run with such perseverance. They would not allow themselves to get tired. They would not allow themselves to get distracted. They would not allow themselves to get caught up in anything else, but focus on what was important. I got to finish, and I got to finish first. And they would run. That's why God says, I want you to strip. I want you to throw everything away that is hindering you from where you need to go to win. It takes action. Throw it off. That means you might have to change your phone number stripping it means you you might have to cancel subscriptions why because i'm stripping you might have to end certain friendships because you need a strip 
You might have to wake up hours earlier to get in the Word of God because you need a strength. Anything that hinders, anything that entangles, God says, take drastic measures. You need to take drastic measures. God has a goal for you. Your goal for God is to become more like Jesus Christ. That, that's it. That's your goal. What is hindering you from becoming more like Christ? Your goal in your marriage is to make it. What's hindering that? Your goal in your children is to raise them to love God. What's hindering that? Is there a hindrance in your life or a sin in your life? Or is there a hindrance and sin? God says take drastic measures to take it away. Because there's far too much on the line for you to live this life distracted by what's not even necessary. Would you allow me to pray for you this morning? Let's all stand to our feet. And I'm not going to ask you to come forward today. I want this to be a private matter today. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, would you be honest as Peter was? Maybe you're drowning in distractions. Maybe you're like Martha. And Jesus has to tell you you're distracted. Maybe you have a Samson in the room, a Solomon, a David. Maybe the blessings of God have become little idols. But I want you to imagine an umbrella right now. Imagine that with me right now. Before you even pray, would you imagine right now you're at the beach? And that beach represents your life. And God shows up and He sets an umbrella. This umbrella represents how much you love me, how passionate you are and devoted. I want you to ask yourself this question. How far am I from that umbrella? Are you distracted? Are you? It's amazing how this is the part that shuts off. So maybe the couple doesn't want you to hear this. I want you to imagine with me right now. How far are you from God? How far are you in your marriage? How far are you with your kids? How far have you gotten in life? Do you feel the current of distraction pulling you apart? Are you drowning like Peter? Are you just consumed like Martha? Peter cried out, Lord, save me. If you're distracted this morning, entangled, you show me your hands, guys. That's an honest thing, God. I'm content. God bless you. Lord, I'm today. Today, decide for yourself, because Jesus told Mary and Martha, One thing is necessary, and Mary has made that choice. And today I want you to make this choice to say, God, show me the hindrance, reveal the sin, and give me the strength to throw it out and strip it away. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person who is distracted. 
for every person that is being hindered, pulled away, and entangled. Father, many of us have drifted from the umbrella. Slowly it happens. We don't pray like we used to. We don't worship. We don't have the same passion that we used to. Father, there's an entanglement of worldliness in us. Entangled by the things of this world. Relationships we know are wrong. Friendships we know don't serve a purpose. But to hinder us. And I would pray, Father, that you would forgive us and give us the strength and the wisdom to go off what needs to be thrown to get back to what we need to be. We thank you for this word in Jesus' name. Amen.